you, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. On today's episode of the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast, I'm thrilled to have author Bruce Wagner. Bruce's latest novel, The Marvel Universe, can be found at his website, brucewagner.la. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I'm here with Bruce Wagner, one of my favorite authors, um, really of all time. So it's been, you know, it's a real treat to have him on. Bruce, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure, Kyler. Um, so I guess you probably have talked a lot about the the Marvel Universe, your your last novel. Um, it has quite an interesting story. So we don't, you know, people can find that online. Um, mm-hmm. But I would, I guess I would like to know one thing about the book, I, you know, one of the things I love about your novels so much is you have so many different characters and um, just how they they weave together, and then it, there's such a huge payoff as the reader uh, in the end. So I'm just quite impressed with how you're able to do that with a book um, like the Marvel Universe. Um, mm. Where do you even begin? I mean, I guess every book is probably different, but where do you even begin to start when you um, have a concept like this ready to go? Um, you know, I, different things move me or touch me. Um, you know, they, they say you have to, the cliche is that you have to love your characters, whomever they are. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, when your characters become family or extended family, in a sense, it makes things a lot easier, um, perhaps not easier from a technical point of view, but you're no longer thinking about them as characters. So you, um, over time, you can come back to a certain character weeks later and you will still know that character. It's like having a family member that you haven't spoken to, but you know so much about them. And I have personally, I have to have a real heart connection to the almost the abstract of my book and once i have that heart connection and it comes in different ways it's always outside of myself the very title of this book was um was the cosmological aspects of it uh and gave me a heart connection there's a beautiful russian book called the fierce and beautiful world um that title alone um it becomes an engine a kind of cosmic engine uh that that pulls me in as a reader and as a writer in a sense because uh, there's no difference uh at the perfect um moment between readers and writers you know both are reading and writing themselves you know so for me i i have to be connected and i often know the end of a book and that's really the thing that that galvanizes me and and drives me it becomes kind of a a spiritual quest or a spiritual experience but i i often the other side of that spirituality is you don't know um the details of of what leads you it's much like life itself mm-hmm. we know that death awaits us um uh, but we don't know the details. The right. details are what are primal and what rivet us. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I love that. Um, and then, 
I, I just love that Bud Wiggins made another appearance. So I think, um, again, one of the, the things I find so beautiful in your books is um, as a as a reader, like there's this entire universe that you've created. And so um, I recently reread I Met Someone and and Dead Stars just in the, in the last month. I, I reread those two. Hmm. Um, I forget. I hope you're I hope you're OK. <laughs> I, I'm kind of it kind of it messed with me <laughs> not really but like, right it put me in a headspace for sure um mm-hmm. and <laughs> I think what is so beautiful about it is that it does feel so real and there is this universe that you've created because um some of the books I get I get mixed up which is in um what happened in what book uh which I think is really cool for me because these are books that um, I don't have a lot of writers that I feel I can reread and reread, maybe some of the older ones, but uh, you're one of the few contemporary writers that I feel like I can I can go back and discover something new because there is so much in there. Um, and then I and then I, you know, I forget which part is in which book. So it's like a rediscovery every time I'm able to um, pick up one of your books. So, I, yeah, I want to thank you for that. It's, it's awesome. Very kind. Very kind. The one thing that I um, it slipped by me. And maybe you could you could um, speak to this a bit is the the Sarah Sparrow novel. So I didn't realize that you had mm-hmm. read um, this book, A Guide for Murdered Children, um, and I just barely started it. So this is the only, uh, I believe, the only one I, of yours I have not read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just love to hear, um, you know, if you're willing to talk about this particular um, book, mm. how this began, um, why a different name. Um, what's mm-hmm. different about it? I'm, I'm just re- very curious on this one. Yeah, I, I, um, this book is, uh, I was at the, the end of a contract with my publisher on the East Coast. And um, I, I was tired. And um, my, the, the, the critical response to my book, the critical responses, um, the road was narrowing and I felt um, somewhat uh, not handcuffed creatively, but I felt that um, that my books were um, somehow dying, you know, um, which is probably quite a common feeling for um, many authors, no matter how many books you've published or what success you have had. Um, and I I had been, through my long career, I had been criticized uh, about writing too much about Hollywood, although in my head I never wrote about Hollywood. Hollywood um, was an ancillary player. Um, my books were always about the outsider and, and redemption and um, of course, death. And I was criticized for writing too much about Hollywood. And then if I would write a book, uh, not because of that criticism, that was not uh, a Hollywood book, something like Memorial or The Empty Chair, um, although those books uh, did get lovely attention, I, I would be criticized for not writing about Hollywood, you know, 
um, I'm losing you is a perfect example of that. Part of what what they call the the smartphone trilogy or the the cell phone trilogy. Um, oh, just as a, a footnote, um, the cell phone trilogy was a clue on Jeopardy a few years ago. Really? <laughs> so I thought <laughs> I thought you know I can die happy now. <laughs> um, wonderful. <laughs> it was still with Trebek. So. Um, the I, I I had an idea for a long time. I had written a script that um, went nowhere, um, probably twenty to twenty-five years ago, and um, I I I think I was calling it that. I just can't remember anymore. But the title titles are so important to me, and the title "A Guide for Murdered Children" um, was uh, irresistible. Um, it was irresistible to write the book that would um, be worthy of a title like that. And the book was um, in the fantasy realm, I would say, speculative fiction in a sense. And um, it was a, a kind of detective, uh, in the detective genre, um, melded with um, the spiritual, hopefully, uh, that I do in my books and I was tired of my name uh, you know um, we all go by by many different names in our heads and sometimes on paper in this life and um, so I decided to be uh, a woman and um, wrote that book and uh, the book uh, was difficult from the beginning in terms of its title. Certain um, bookstores that might have been Barnes & Noble didn't want to mm. order the book with that title, you know, because they thought people might think it's an actual, um, you know, it's a technical book, you know, on, on how to murder children. I mean, the insanity never stops. But um, I'm very, uh, I feel very close to that book. I think it's... Um, it's, you know, you consider your books, they're all children and they're, they're all sacred regardless of their deformities. And uh, I have a lot of deformed children, <laughs> but um, a guide for murdered children is very close to my heart. So um, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to um, reading it. The first, um, the first 15 pages, I'm into it right now and I'm, I'm loving it. So I um, love that. Yeah, that's great. So I think it's been, I mean, relatively recently that I, f I feel like I've, I found, I found your work. Um, and I think it was, well, I, know, I, I can, I know it was, it was mapped to the stars that I saw, um, mm -hmm. probably, I think I saw it on Netflix. I don't, I don't believe I saw it when it came out. So yeah, you could have, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm relatively late to, um, the Bruce Wagner <laughs> fan club, but, mm. uh, so that's what I would introduce me to. It, and I, I, I love that film. Um, better late than never. Exactly. So I think, uh, it definitely a film, not for everyone. Um, but I do tell like friends, I'm like, if you, if you know, if they've never heard of you, I tell them watch this. And then, you know, if you, if you like it, then, um, definitely jump into his work. So, uh, I, I would love to hear just because I'm, I don't really know. Um, I know you're a screenwriter. Uh, mm -hmm. How how did this particular film? Because um, it definitely has the stamp of Bruce Wagner on it. How, mm. how did this come about? Um, David Cronenberg is a, an old friend of mine, and 
Um, I've known him for many, many years. And I think I, you know, I had written um, Maps to the Stars a long time ago. Um, and I sent it to him, not really to ask him if he was interested in directing it. I just sent it to him as a friend would send a friend. And um, I wound up getting a call from him uh, that uh, I remember I was I was ironically going into a movie theater when he called and said, I want to do this film. I want to direct it. And we got uh, he, he got Julianne Moore, who who I actually knew tangentially. I knew at least that she was a fan of my work and she agreed to do it he went to new york to meet with her and um that was all done and i think he wanted to shoot the entire movie in los angeles but the costs turned out to be prohibitive and it never came together hmm. and he wound up doing three or four movies um after that and then he was in Cannes with cosmopolis and he um uh said to um to robert um, you know, I want, uh, I want you to do this part and, um, he agreed and, and that was done. So we were shooting, it had to be some, some time within a year after that. And, um, that was just a, 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 a just a stunning, beautiful experience to be in Toronto with David, who's a, a, a prose writer himself. He's written a novel. And to be on the set where he pays so much respect and attention to words and to be a part of that particular family and then to go to Cannes where Julianne won Best Actress. She had returned to uh, New York by then, so I accepted the award for her and broader the award uh, in new york it was just um it was glorious so i'm i'm forever in debt to my brother david cronenberg yeah i didn't i mean they did an amazing job i had no idea it wasn't shot in los angeles there was a week that we shot in la um where you have the hollywood sign and hollywood boulevard where the character of, right. of Ag agatha is uh, crouched down touching um, the star of Havana Sagrand. And, you know, we did, we did a week, uh, might've been five days, Rodeo Drive, you know, and Robert Pattinson, um, the, you know, police holding hundreds of people back on the other side of the street who'd found out that, that Pattinson was shooting this film, but it was, uh, it was fun. Um, raucous fun. Yeah. And you were, I mean, you have a, you have a cameo in it, um, as a limo driver, I believe. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, but Bud Wiggins, yeah. I think, might even be my credit. I love it. I love it. That's yeah. great. Um, great. Yeah. And just while I'm thinking of it, I, I did, uh, I met someone, I did listen to that on audiobook um, at some point, and um, she did an incredible job. I mean, just, just wonderful. Julianne, um, reading I Met Someone. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, was it? Um, yeah, it's, I met she. She read that one, right? I know she read. Yeah. The okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. She's, 
she is really extraordinary. She's one of the, the most stand-up people you'll ever meet. And uh, I told her that I will never ask her anything again. I mean, it is very difficult to show up and day after day read something that um, that is not a popular work. She's she's an artist and she's a friend of artists. That's wonderful. Um, uh, maybe maybe I could ask you um, because because you read Dead Stars. Um, I'm just I've always been intrigued by the process of um, recording an audio book, especially if you if you are the author. Um, mm. And you know, Dead Stars is a rather lengthy book. Um, yeah. How how did you like? What's how is it typically done? Um, what was unique to you? I mean, how long are you in there um, on a given day to get to get a book of that length completed? Well, it, it's it's um it's trying, and uh, it, it's difficult if it's your own work because you have to put aside. Uh, you know, this is a. I don't typically reread my books, mm -hmm. so you are literally rereading it out loud, and you have to put aside this idea um, that occurs to you that that this paragraph is awful or this sentence is clumsy and unwieldy, and you you have to become an actor. You know, and it, it's a difficult process. And you know, I recently read a book uh, out loud. Um, this may be a bit of a tangent, but um, after the Marvel Universe, you know, was uh, effectively canceled by its publisher, right. um, the word famously invoked was problematic language. <laughs> um, and these these people were behaving as if they they had a contract. We we had a contract with one another. Mm -hmm. They were very excited and anxious to have me. Um, be publishing with them. And when I turned the book in, um, uh, there was dead silence. And then it became clear to me that the editor must have had sensitivity readers uh, go over the book um, with a fine tooth comb um, or uh, a torture device, however you want to look <laughs> at it. And the book was canceled. And we, uh, my agent, Andrew Wiley, and I, um, tried to place it elsewhere and didn't have luck. And I was going to publish it myself. And I said, uh, finally, I don't want to be a publisher. You know, I don't want to have to be on the phone with China right. or Italy or whomever. I don't want to be dealing with that. It was very costly. And for what, you know, for a vanity, for the, the, the vanity of saying, here's my next book, you know, <laughs> and uh, a, a physical form you can hold it in your hand that's when i decided fuck everyone and i'm going to release this on the internet and how to do that i didn't have a website i'm completely right. not on social media so i had to uh, get a website which i did brucewagner.la yep, which is perfect because it's i think used for laos or you know some uh, something far different than Los Angeles. So uh, I released the book into the public domain um, on onto the internet. And within about a week, you could get the book uh, in physical form right. from an on-demand publisher in, in, uh, in Las Vegas. And then my friend Sam Wasson, who's a wonderful writer um, 
and uh, wrote the books about Chinatown and Fosse and is writing a new book about Zoetrope and Francis Coppola. He started a publishing house called Felix Farmer from the character in the movie SOB, the Blake Edwards movie. So they, uh, he and his partner, um, Brandon, published a, a, a four or 500 word edition, beautiful, sold exclusively out of Book Soup, which is where my very first book, Force Majeure, was sold. So I kind of felt I'd gone full circle. Yeah. But for my book, my, my new book, the one I'm working on now, I didn't necessarily um, want to release it in the same way. You know, um, I'd written, I've written 11 or 12 books, and, and I do like uh, um, having a contract with a publisher. It, it's a, a motivator, and it's, it's something that I know very well, that world. So we had some um, very big publishers interested in my new book, uh, which I won't talk too much about, um, but the, the protagonist is biracial. And um, that ultimately was, they actually used the word problematic, that I, you know, an old white man, am writing about a biracial character. So as we know, the world is a bit, um, on its head now in so many ways, uh, in so many everyday ways, and in the, it's, it's infected this particular virus, the world of publishing, the world of film, the world of television, all of that. So um, I, uh, my agent um, said that there was someone that would publish it, and uh, it would be uh, a man named Tony Lyons, and Tony Lyons owns a publishing house called Skyhorse. Skyhorse is a kind of torch burning in the the great cave of publishing now, and he's um, publishes. I think he he was publishing a thousand books a year a few years ago, and I recently said to him, uh, he said we've slowed down, and I said, well, what are you publishing now? He said 500 a year, and he's publishing Woody Allen. He's publishing um, the Philip Roth biography okay, that was Paul. I'm like, this sounds so yes. familiar. Yes, yes, and he's an extraordinary man. He's not political. He's just a real publisher. He doesn't like censorship. So um, I thought that was a, um, a wonderful thing because I knew he was uh, real. And he's a very strong advocate of writers and artists. His father started that publishing company. And in fact, I will be published by Skyhorse, but the, the publishing house will be Arcade, which uh, Richard Siever started and has a, a very storied history. They published um, people like Samuel Beckett. So I'm, I'm very thrilled to be with uh, Arcade uh, under Skylight now. But... Um, this is a roundabout way of saying that um, Tony had heard me read Dead Stars and asked me if I would read Bobby Kennedy's new book, The Real Dr. Fauci. Oh, wow. uh, I, and and I, um, I try to have no dog in, in the, the, uh, the COVID fight. And uh, I, I immediately said yes. Um, so when you ask what's it like to read a book – that book um, is 27 hours, <laughs> and it takes about 10 days over a period of two and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. 
because there's you have some down days because you can't um, you can't read that many pages per day without a break. And it's um, I'm I actually enjoy reading out loud. Uh, so there's that aspect of it is not challenging to me, but there's a lot of stress behind it. You're you're constantly thinking, oh shit, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to uh, my throat's going to go out, and you know all of that is is a problem or problematic to hijack the word <laughs> for the publisher. But uh, it's not something that um, that I, anyone but professional uh, audiobook readers is excited about. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. No, that's um. Yeah, I mean, I, one of my favorite like memories from listening to that book was, I think I I hopped in my car when I was done with work for the day, and I had a, I was at a point where you were like yelling <laughs> as one of the characters, and it was just <laughs> like so funny sitting in the parking lot of a high school um, with Bruce Wagner yelling at me in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I like it. I do got to say, so I, I I did get a um, I did a, get a few copies of the. Um, uh, book soup edition that was put out with the black mm -hmm. cover and the, I mean, yeah. incredible. And I've given them to friends and um, I just, it blows my mind when I, th that word problematic, you know, attached to that book. Um, It's like, did they, <laughs> have they read any of your other books? Cause in my, my mind, this one was, you know, uh, in comparison, much more um, tame, I guess I'm not tame, but you know what I'm saying. I do. I do. Uh, well, it, it, it shows you how far we have gone. Um, the One of the things he said to me, um, you know, which I have spoken about, there were, I think, ultimately he said, uh, in essence, that there was very little of the book that could be published. You know, so it would be like looking at one of these CIA documents that are 500 pages, but every page is is completely blacked out um and uh you know they didn't he didn't come outright and say um fuck you in your book you know <laughs> he he didn't he was i think part of him was embarrassed and that's why it took him so long to call me i really think what happened is um and this is i'm speculating but it sure sounded like it because he was a completely different person on the phone than he was when we sat down for coffee. Mm -hmm. And he said he followed my career very closely and was honored to have me writing for them. In the interim, there's there would be no way to explain that unless it wasn't uh, what you call the scourge of sensitivity readers, people that are body positivity readers, people that are uh, reading uh, under a BIPOC lens, people that um, uh, are, are very specific in what their their small-minded concerns are. Um, I have a character in the book that um, is five to six hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. She's a very important character. And uh, I believe very tenderly wrought, um, and she's a, a kind of beloved in America. She's unusual. Her parents were murdered. She is um, a billionaire who fought through the courts to get her money uh, when she turned 18, but uh, a kind of a warrior chick. 
and a very big um, presence on social media. And she calls herself uh, the fat Joan. Her name is Joan. And she does that as a kind of um, uh, homage to the fat Jew or the fat Jewish, who is a well-known social media persona. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this phone call with the editor, this um, embarrassed phone call, this awkward phone call, he said, not even a fictional character can call themselves fat. Now, where where would that be coming from? You know, he was at this at that point. It was as if I was I was speaking to a puppet. You know, there was it made no it made no sense. And I did literally say, who did you think you had hired? Did you think you'd hired a, a New Yorker writer or, you know, what were you expecting? And I, I had to remind him that all of my work is about outsiders. Right. All of my work is a, a passion play about outsiders. That's the, the personae dramatis. You know, it, 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 so the idea that, that I am writing or mocking uh, people is just part of the, the madness now. It's part of the, the viral madness. So you can't really... You can't look too hard into any of that, you know. Um, uh, that's just where the pendulum has swung right now, and it'll swing the other way. It always does. Yes. It's the history of man. Um, that's. I mean, I'm just so grateful that you have found, you know, places for these these books. So, um, like Marvel Universe, I've I've read it twice now, and I I absolutely love it. And I you know I tell everyone go to your website and <laughs> you know check it out. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just so it's just it's incredible. And um, I do like what you said about the, the book soup thing coming full cir circle, because I just was able probably about a month ago, I think when I first emailed you, um, I found a copy of that, um, the original um, Force Majeure mm -hmm. Bug Wig Wiggins story. So I was able to pick that up um, and add that to my collections. And, and you know, um, it's very cool having those two kind of on the bookshelf side by side. Um, that's, that's like a, you know, wonderful journey that has brought you back to an incredible bookstore. I'm loving that, yeah. love that place. Um, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm just so glad when that, when that you're, um, you know, and I, I guess it's hard to, to say, but with this, with the, with the new book, I know you, you can't really talk about it, but, um, is there, is there a point that we can, as fans look forward to, to reading this? Yes. Um, it is. Um, it will be out in November of this year. Oh wow! Okay, that's not too yeah. Long that's so cool. I'm, yeah, I'm. Um, you know, um, you know, you might be able to see it sooner when it comes in galleys, mm -hmm. um, but that won't be for uh, a few months at least. And um, I'm I'm done with the book, but I'm revising it now before I I finally hand it in. But yes, uh, November. That's exciting. Great. Um, well, maybe we could just wrap up. I am, you know, this, I don't want to open a can of worms, um, but as we kind of close here uh, this afternoon, just the whole, you know, we now we're two years into, into COVID. Um, I've talked to a lot of writers in this, in this two year period and um, just kind of asked them, like, how has it been, how has it impacted your work um, in, in the sense of, you know, I, I've talked to some people who say, you know, honestly, this, it has not, you know, 
as far as the work goes, has not really changed it much at all. My my life was pretty um, solitary as it was as a, as a writer. Um, mm. And then other people um, have struggled to to write anything or to create new things. So I'm just curious. I mean, you're right. You've clearly written another book in the in the you know during this period since Marvel Universe and yeah. I'm just kind of curious um, how his how has it if at all impacted. Uh, your work or your creative life? Zero. <laughs> I mean, um, the uh, I think if you have children, it must be difficult mm-hmm. because it's it's more difficult with children. Obviously, um, you have responsibilities, and and then uh, if the children were home because of um, the plague, you know, then I can, uh, you know, uh, my sympathies for, um, for those people. Um, but writers, I think often have a difficult time and if they can pin their difficulty and procrastinations on COVID more, all the <laughs> more power to them, you know what I mean? But, but for me, um, it's true, you know. I m- my life is um, is rather solitary, um, and uh, COVID didn't impact me in any way. Mm-hmm. No one close to me um, died of COVID. Um, people got COVID. I got COVID, mm-hmm. and it was no big deal. So, um, but of course, um, you know the the idea that that um that one couldn't go to one's favorite restaurant for a few months you know uh, all of these things are are so minor compared to the the hardship that that people uh have undergone and the sacrifices people have made it's just it's it's catastrophic i feel yeah so um but you know uh for me um i've been very fortunate in that um, I can do what I do really from anywhere mm-hmm. and, um, and not seeing people, uh, was, uh, was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you know? great. Yeah. Um, well, great. Uh, maybe as one more question and then, mm-hmm. then we'll call it. But, no worries. Uh, I am curious what you have been reading lately, if anything. You know, you've been working on something, so maybe you haven't been reading as of late. But I am just always curious with you know my favorite writers what they enjoy. Well, you know, I for this particular book that I, uh, it, it's very hard for me, uh, um, you know, uh, um, to you know I, I remember uh. I know Salman Rushdie for many years, and I, I was working on a book. I, I can't remember it all. And I made the mistake of, of picking up uh, Faulkner, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I told him about that. And um, we both kind of remembered that Norman Mailer had said, when you're working on a book, it's like you're, you have your, your, your car disassembled in the garage and you look up and you see a, a Ferrari uh, roar by. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I generally um, occupy my head with um, 
you know, with the Daily Mail, uh, when I'm, uh, you know, or or I watch Yellowstone, you know, I do things that that um, I, I do read the the literary magazines, the New York Review of Books, the London Review of Books, um, which are I kind of read them the same way I read Buddhist magazines. They're for a laugh, you know what I mean? <laughs> and but but occasionally there is something that, that gets my attention. But for this particular book, I've been reading um oral histories, mm. um, which has always been a, a, a form that I that that I loved. So um histories and biographies in this case uh, the wonderful biography of Francis Bacon, the oral histories of Robert Altman, of Mike Nichols, of um, Richard Avedon, Truman Capote. Um, there's uh, some new books out about Leonard Cohen that are oral histories uh, covering his entire life. Um, so those are good because you can dip into them. You know, it's not like reading Tolstoy, uh, you know, because I can't, you know, it's it's the same when I'm I listen to music when I'm writing, but it has to be um, almost sacred choral music that you can't hook on to. If you ask me now to even think of what I was I've been listening to for six months, I couldn't even melodically tell you what it was. And that's why I can listen to it. If it has words or or anything that you can hook on to, then it defeats the purpose and I would not be able to write. So it's the same with when you're writing a book. You can't then climb into someone someone else's head and world. You know, you can climb into the 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 world of um of an oral history because uh, you can you can get out very easily, but you don't want to be trapped in a world the next day when you're 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 trapped in your own world, you know what I mean right so um so but that's really uh, those are the books that that I've been gathering and then I you know I, I have old standbys that I return to time and again and um, so yeah, I'm like anyone else, you know. A lot of books on the bedstand, most of them most of them unread. Yeah, you know? same here. <laughs> what are you reading? Um, let's see. What did I? I just finished um, the other night, um, and I talked to this guy last night. It's um, uh, it's called the Goodbye Coast, um, and it is a the Raymond Chandler State reached out to this guy and wanted him to do like a. Um, a 2020 version of um, Philip Marlowe. Mm. So um, I finished that. That was it. Was pretty good. Pretty good. Um, very, very nice, cool guy. Um, I'm re- so I finished that. I am rereading. I like Jerry Stahl quite a bit, so I'm rereading. Um, I think it's Bad Sex on Speed. Um, that's a wonderful I like Jerry. Do you know him? I haven't. T- no, I've never met him before. Um, he's one of my favorites as well. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but he's yeah. He's, 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 I haven't. He's, I haven't, he's uh, great. Yeah, he's oh, his work's great. I haven't. I haven't. I don't think he's put anything out in a while. So, 
Hopefully, hopefully we can find something at some point. Oh, and I just got a Clockwork Orange. That's one book I never read. Mm. Um, so I haven't started it yet, but I, I have that. And um, yeah, have you read that one? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, wor- wor- worth my time. I mean, I love the movie, but I, you know, I know Kubrick does his own thing. No, Burgess is definitely worth your time. Great. No, I figured. <laughs> I figured. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been reading. Um, one thing I, I don't know where I heard it about you, but you um, sometimes you'll put on um, like a, like a movie like I, I think it was Goodfellas or Casino I forget and put it on like slow motion. Yeah. Um, oh, such a great, <laughs> such a great um, idea. What kind of like how did that even come to you to like you know do that? I, I've always heard of people listening to music and I listen to music when I write. Um, yeah. But putting a film on. Um, in, in that fashion, uh, yeah. How do you how do you feel like that might influence you or? Get you oh no, food? not at all. It, it's it's comfort food. I mean, okay. it's not it's not like I'm in a screening room with a sure. legal pad writing on my book. No, I'll put the the perfect one for that is the Godfather mm-hmm. epic because I think it takes nine or ten hours. You know, you yeah. you never get finished with it, <laughs> and then and then you just resume the next day or you start over, and um, you know. Uh, it, 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 the odd thing is that I'm rather autistic, um, you know, with, uh, I have OCD, but it's the opposite of what people think mm-hmm. it's too much focus, you know? Right. So I, I can have complete and utter focus and everything else disappears. I can work anywhere. I can be at home in bed. I can be sitting at a desk. It just doesn't matter. So the idea of, of, um, you know, I have in my room one of these um, electric fireplaces that emits no heat. Mm-hmm. It's just a log that turns that looks like flames. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same thing with slow motion Godfather Epic or slow motion Casino it, 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 or slow motion No Country for Old Men. It's the same. Uh, it just um, it's another uh, uh, fake fireplace, you know. So <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, Bruce, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. This was a, a, t- a true honor, and um, I can't wait to read your new book um, in November. Um, yeah, thank you so much for um, taking the time to speak with me. Well, it was a great pleasure, and I wish you the best, Kyler. All right? Take care. Yeah. Thank you.